Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 27th of November 2019 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Context is important. Many misunderstandings arise from taking things out of context and making them seem more important than they really are. This week, while we're enjoying the cooling autumn air, we'll be listening to a story from Jen about her experiences with putting things into context. After our story from Jen, we'll hear a fictional story from the 2019 Hong Kong Spoken Word Festival show Best and Brightest from Liars League Hong Kong. The story is called Giraffe Thing, and it was written by Becca Cairns and read by Mushtaq Kalpasi. Before we get to this week's stories, though, our thanks and love goes out to our loyal Hong Kong listeners in this wonderful city. Keep being awesome, and thanks for taking the time to listen to our stories. Thanks go out today to our listeners around the world as well, including those in Montreal, Canada, Dublin, Ireland, and Baghdad in Iraq. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. The host of our December show, Sao Mai, has been working with the storytellers for the 4th of December live show at The Fringe. The theme is Meeting You. Mark your diaries. Tickets are on sale through hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. And now with a story from our June show, which had the theme Rewind. Here is Jen. About 17 years ago, I left Canada for the first time, and I was teaching in Taiwan. I had a job teaching adults English at a night school. The first thing I noticed about my students was that every single one of them insisted on having an English name, and they were very creative about how they chose those names. They did not feel the need to be constrained by any baby book list of standard English names. The whole dictionary is up for grabs. So I've taught a lot of fruit. (laughs) Apples some peaches, and even a banana once. Then there were the cutesy names, people who wanted to be called Sweetie, Honey, Miffy. But once I got past the names, I have to admit, they were the hardest working people I have ever taught. They were all young adults in entry-level positions in finance or insurance or trading, and they came to every class after a long day at work. And classes were three hours a night, three times a week. The reason they were so dedicated is because they were hoping to improve their English to get a promotion or a coveted position in an international firm. Whatever their goal, social mobility equaled English, and so they did not miss a class for anything. One really unusual time, a woman who chose to call herself Vivi didn't come to class for a whole week, which was really unusual. When she finally showed up, I asked her what had happened, and she apologized, and she said, it's just that I work so many overtime, and I don't eat, and I don't sleep, and then, how do you say, I can't see, so I go to the hospital. I said, you went blind? Oh, yeah, that's the word. I went blind. Yeah, so, so sorry. I was horrified by this, but as I looked around the room, I realized I was the only one who was horrified. Everybody else was just shrugging it off as if to say, I hate it when that happens. (laughs) So I was in awe of their dedication. 
And for that reason, if they were kind of slacking off, I really didn't push them on it. If they felt tired and they just wanted to goof around, I let it happen. I let a lot of stuff go. Partly because I respected how tired they were, but also because I wasn't that much older than they were. And I didn't really know how to take a line of authority with them without seeming like a big meanie. Until one night when they did something that I just couldn't let go. It was as we were going from beginner level three to beginner level four. And all of the level three people signed up again, and I had a few new students. When I came into the room at the beginning of the lesson, all of the new students were gathered, or sorry, all of the old students were gathered around this one guy who seemed to be introducing himself. He kept repeating, My name is Owen. It turns out that none of the students had ever heard the name Owen before, and they thought it sounded strange. Is it a real name? They asked me. Yes, Apple and Vivi, Owen is a real name. They just seemed to not be able to wrap their heads around it. I felt kind of bad for the guy because he was new, he probably felt a little self-conscious about his English, and he didn't need to take any stick about his name. So I tried to just gloss over it and get on with the class. But the students were not prepared to let it go. When I came back from the break, they were all crowded around Owen again. And as I walked into the room, Vivi popped her head up and said, We fixed his name! Okay, what happened? So they explained to me that they had analyzed his Chinese name during the break. And they'd noticed that one of the characters contained the radical that meant bird. So they took out their handy electronic dictionary translator, typed in bird and man, and Vivi triumphantly reported to me, now we will call him cock. (laughs) No, we will not call him that name, I said. But why? My dictionary say, I know, and your dictionary is not wrong, but it's just that... Cock also means something else to most English speakers. They're going to be thinking about that long before they get around to picturing a rooster. So I really wasn't explaining it very well, and everybody looked quite confused. But and even some of them kind of looked hurt because I'd never really put my foot down before. But I absolutely could not just let them get away with this. I was determined nobody was leaving that room thinking that cock was a reasonable name. But I couldn't explain it with words. I was afraid to use gestures and hand signals because I thought I might get into trouble. So I decided the best course of action was to draw a picture. (laughs) So with all eyes glued on me, I walked over to the whiteboard and I drew a stick man with one extra stick. (laughs) And I pointed at it and I said, that is also a cock. And when I looked at the students, they were all staring at the floor. And it was really quiet for about 30 seconds. Until finally, the young man whose name had been in question said, My name is Owen. It's easy to misunderstand in another culture or a new language but we're grateful when somebody steps up to point out the inconsistencies. Jen has told many stories on our stage now, but she started the same way everyone in Hong Kong's story starts, by first coming to a workshop. 
If you want to share your story, whether it be of struggle and despair, happiness and hope, or anything in between, come to a workshop and we'll show you how to get the most impact from your storytelling. Find the info at hongkongstories.com. Now, if you think you can take things out of context in another language, how about between species? This fictional piece was written by Becca Cairns and read by Mushtaq Kalpasi. This is Giraffe Things. Fred is an expert giraffe who lectures at the Giraffe University on giraffe things. Giraffe things includes eating leaves from tall trees, running fast without breaking your knees, Pythagoras' theorem because angles are important, and how to do a long drop poop without splashback. Giraffe Things is by far the most popular degree course at Giraffe University, followed by Giraffe History and International Giraffe Relations. When Fred was younger, he had no idea that one day he'd be a foremost authority on Giraffe Things. But life is full of surprises, unexpected twists and turns. For example, many years ago when Fred was just a gangly teen, he was crossing the savannah on a particularly pleasant summer day when he saw his brother, Harold, running rather too quickly, rather too excitedly across the gravelly terrain, Harold stumbled on a small loose stone and fell hard and fast. He broke not one, but both knees, and died right there on the plains. In the many biographies and thought pieces that have been written about Fred, this unique experience is often cited as one of the crucial formative influences on the academic's life, for it was on that day that Fred learned firsthand the importance of running with care when one's legs are five feet tall. <laughs> Fred also learned about the shortness of life, the fleeting nature of happiness, and how death comes for us all. But philosophy is, even among giraffes, unpopular, and only for the whimsically unemployed. <laughs> Fred likes to tell people that he is an expert on giraffe things because he is very wise and clever and worked very hard throughout his career to study giraffe things at the highest level. This is not true, though, as Fred sometimes confesses to the bar giraffe at his local, where he often cries into his giraffe scotch. The bar giraffe is the only being who knows that Fred actually flunked his midterm exams his second year of university, and that the exchange program he participated in his third year was actually ungraded. The bar giraffe also knows that when Fred supposedly traveled to the States to complete his PhD, he had actually gone to India to find himself and spent several years at a yoga ashram perfecting his downward-facing giraffe. It was, here, it was here he met Paolo, a rather seedy giraffe with a history of petty theft and forgery who gave Fred a fake PhD certificate in return for a little favor. Fred's time as an international drug smuggler is the real reason. He can land a long drop poop without splashback, though this detail does not appear on his resume. The truth is, Fred did not even want to be a lecturer or a university academic, but when his yoga practice failed because giraffes do not care much for peace of mind, flexibility, or balancing the chakras, Fred was at a loss for what to do. His girlfriend at the time, who was uncharacteristically pushy for a giraffe, said she had a friend at the university who needed a research assistant. Perhaps Fred could apply. It would also help everyone forget about that ridiculous hippie phase, she told him. Fred realized she was right. But it actually made him a bit sad because it hadn't been just a phase, but his truest, deepest exploration of self. Of course, as soon as he became an academic, nobody could remember he'd been anything but. 
Fred learned the names of all the books and all the studies and all the researchers who had completed the studies, but he never bothered to actually read the texts because that would take too long. In all honesty, Fred did not like doing research, so he made things up. And because they were not too wild or too outlandish and actually seemed logical and entirely plausible, everybody believed him. When someone would ask him for a research paper on, say, medieval giraffe odes about tall leafy trees, Fred would muddle together a list of quotes and references that were entirely his own and didn't involve any pesky, time-consuming research. Suddenly, everyone at the university wanted Fred to do their research for them because he was, in their words, the best and fastest. What had begun as a way to make his job easier actually made his job harder and busier than ever. Fred had so many requests from so many departments. He had to make up dozens of things every day, and it became very confusing. So Fred did what any sensible giraffe would do, wrote it all down in a book, fake footnotes and all. That is how Fred came to write the definitive text on giraffe studies and become the most sought-after lecturer at Giraffe University. Sometimes Fred feels like a fraud. When he looks in the mirror, Fred knows his own worst enemy is himself, something the bar giraffe reminds him of often as she pours him another giraffe scotch. Fred feels guilty because he is not actually an expert in giraffe things at all and is educating an entire generation of optimistic, naive young giraffes in matters in which he has very little formal training. On some days, Fred wants to start his lectures with the truth that everything you have ever been told is a lie. But whenever Fred, has, whenever Fred finds his mind wandering to those dark and self-loathing places, he looks around his savannah space, the biggest at Giraffe University, and gazes up at his acacia tree, the tallest and leafest on campus. And he counts the hundreds of thousands of draft dollars that he has in the draft bank. And he remembers he is an expert in something. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories and the Hong Kong Spoken Word Festival. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell.